Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. The reading, as you know, came from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. So if you'd like to listen to the word of the Lord. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the partnership of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. You know, it is a new year, another opportunity for us to once again go through, make a list of all the things we want to fix, all the things that didn't go well in 22 that we really want to work on correcting this year. We have an opportunity to make that list, to write them all down, and well, like most people, we end up forgetting about them. They get lost, they get stuck in a drawer somewhere, and we don't think about it again until next year. Unfortunately, though, the church doesn't seem to have that same kind of luxury. The church makes a list of its own. The church makes a list that carries with it financial implications, implications as well that impact people's time and their own spiritual devotion. And it tries to make that list based off of the spiritual tasks that come from God. What we find is that in our work of being a church, and as people who make up that church, we become or try to become experts in budgets and buildings and everything that falls beyond that scope. And as we do that important work, we have to know whether or not we're going to embark on that calling alone or with the help of others, trusting that God will lead us. I want to speak to you a moment about budgets. I know it's, it's probably not your favorite topic. It's not mine, but I want to talk about numbers that make up a church. I know I'm the first to admit that when it comes to budget talk, immediately my eyes almost glaze over and I start trying to think of everything else I need to do that day, anything to help me escape number talk. 
But budgets, budgets are essential documents. Budgets are essential documents, especially for a church. Not just because budgets tell a financial story or a number story. Budgets tell a moral and a spiritual story. It is a moral and a spiritual document that shows how a church utilizes its gifts. If you want to know anything about a church, look at its budget. If you're visiting a church for the first time or you're thinking about joining a church, look at its budget. Where does the church spend its money? How does it spend its money? If you want to know about a nonprofit that you care about, if you want to know about someone else, or you could learn so much by looking at a budget. It highlights not just numbers, but priorities. What are the priorities right now for you if you were to look at your budget? Where are you putting your time, your effort, your energy, your money? In his letter to the Corinthians, Paul doesn't explicitly talk about budgets. But he does write to tell the people in the church in Corinth that they don't make up the church themselves. It relies on every single person there who makes up the church. It requires people from multiple cells or congregations. It requires people, multiple people, to carry out this mission to make up the church. That requires material support. Back then, it might have been a lot easier for them to think of a church budget, a worship community budget. Today, though, the process has become such a sterile process. In churches large and small, in churches that are rich and poor, the budget process so often is a process of trying to scrimp every penny, stretch every dollar to the point where budgets aren't very inspirational documents. It tells a story instead of mission. It tells a story of how we saved a dollar, which isn't bad. We should be good stewards of what we use. But if there's nothing about faith or mission, nothing that's a dedicated line item, what are we doing? I've had the pleasure to hear about some of the upcoming things in the upcoming presbytery budget, about how the presbytery is shifting dedicated line items to the work of mission and ministry and partnerships, whether it be resourcing smaller congregations or working with our current partners in ministry. That's pretty inspiring when you look at a budget. In other ways, you hear stories about churches that close with hundreds of thousand dollars in the bank because they were too afraid to spend any money. They didn't want to spend one drop. They couldn't envision what ministry looked like as a dedicated tithe of what they had. In some ways, we wrestle with similar things. We give money to Putnam Cap, we give money to Gilead Food Pantry, Midnight Run, and so on. But if you looked in our budget, you don't see a lot when it comes to mission and community being a formal part of the giving we do as a church. It's often these outside collections that we don't plan necessarily for. It's just something we do. But what would it look like for us to be conscious about how much we give as a church to these missions and to these partnerships? 
What would it look like if we consciously could add these things to reflect who we are as a people of God? Heading into this new year, what would it look like for us to be conscious about how much we give of our one might, even if that's all we have? What would it look like to consciously give of our time that we so carefully budget to the faith, our faith, and to our faith community that we belong to? Doing this, giving all we have so that we too might be called saints together. But budgets are only only one piece of the puzzle. It's only one part of the larger vision. Because a, a, what's a budget without some of the other resources that you're actually spending the money or the time or the effort on? Because even the early Christians, they needed a place to meet. There was a need for a physical building, a place, whether in someone's home or in a public space. And there was a need for a spiritual building, that building inside our hearts that we set up for our worship of God. And as we try and budget the budget and these buildings, both physical and spiritual, we're already wrestling with that. But Paul makes it a little more complicated. And he tells the people in Corinth that they have everything they need. And that, too, their spiritual home is going to include people they don't like. Or people they might not agree with. Because as if cultivating faith wasn't already hard enough, Paul throws in these contradictions. Or they appear to be contradictions. Or are they? In regard to the infrastructure needed for the type of vibrant community of faith to which Paul is writing to. The building that houses the community of faith, then and now, is made up of people from all walks of life. It's made up of Republicans. It's made up of Democrats and Independents. It's made up of Episcopalians, Catholics, Methodists. It's made up of even people in our church who don't come from the same religious tradition or different faith. And they call it home. Just as we balance the use of our buildings between spiritual formation and community outreach, the building of the church of the faith community is founded on how we welcome God's people. Paul doesn't just say, their Lord. He says, their Lord and ours. Because for all the times we try to paint fear of people we don't know, or understand all the times we try to draw lines of divide we're all still a part of the same community the same community to which god calls us to it's their lord and ours it is the same lord for we too are looking for a building where we can place our hopes and our fears before the living god I know you've heard me say it before, but this year and today, we need to evaluate our commitment to this body of faith and fellowship. It's not going to take on the same form, that same form for everyone in terms of commitment. For some people, it means there'll be a focus on how they provide for this community in terms of resources and materials. For others, it will be a focus on their budgeted time, their spiritual devotion, And for others, a handful, 
it will be a consideration of their gifts of leadership and discernment. All this is to say that it's going to take on a different form. And the work that we've done up to this point, this pivotal moment, was all for helping to lay the groundwork for living into what comes next. And it relies on your dedication, your commitment to your hope of cultivating spiritual practices so that you and your spirit might help strengthen one another as well so that none are lacking. I want to leave us with some words from Dr. King who said at a Washington National Cathedral speech in 1968, We shall overcome, because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Towards justice. You know, the early church, the people who lived in that time, they knew in the midst of everything, in the midst of their uncertain world, that there was something that would guide them in their lives. That it would be God's moral arc of love that would guide them. It would be love that sustains them, be love that would provide for them, love that would help issue a vision of hope for tomorrow. Each day we have a choice. Friends, each day we have a choice to either lean into that arc of hope and love, God's moral arc, or we can choose an option that isn't on the lifeway of God. I would pray that this year we continue to choose to lean closer into that moral arc of God, leaning into the words of Paul who said, by whom you were called into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us lean into that partnership. Let us pray, knowing that God is going to be with us every step of the way, that God has been faithful, and that God, friends, will be with us as we journey along together in this new year. Let it be so. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.